0: Well, this isn't... That was um, easy, wasn't it? It was really <laughs> easy. Crikey. It's as if, yeah, <laughs> just setting this up. <laughs> and now Ned's frozen. Oh, no. I, ha- I, I, I yeah, haven't frozen. Seriously. I haven't is frozen. Have not frozen for you? No, it's not. No, I, have, I, I, I did not freeze, guys. I was moving the entire time, you know? All right? Te- technically, <laughs> okay. obviously, this is going to be challenging. We're, we are no longer... Well, David was never really in the back of the car. David only got in the back of the car didn't he, Pete, when Lizzie was like the VIP guest in the front. And even then, that was quite political, wasn't it? That was quite difficult to organise.
1: It was really strange, wasn't it? Because I walked out of the casino. I can't remember what stage it was. It must have been the second week. But I can't remember what village it was. We were picking you up from collecting from when you were at your friend's house.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was when we went to Mejève. So
1: it was the first yeah it was it was the it was the, se- it was the first rest day after yeah. the first rest day yeah and uh, I, I, I came back from the casino and you were folding your Brompton up and putting in the boot Lizzie <laughs> was already in the back and I just jumped in the front seat without asking Lizzie as she <laughs> it was seven months <laughs> pregnant she wanted to sit in the front thanks <laughs> and then and then uh. the only the only selfish thing that sprang to mind was oh I don't like sitting in the front I want to go in the back <laughs> I'm so used to it <laughs> Well, I also uh, think
2: just 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 for our listeners, I think it's important that because the pa- the picture that's painted is you stumbled out of a casino and got into the front seat. Whereas oh, yeah. we're talking about ca- casino, the supermarket, but casino. Ah, yeah, very well yeah. pointed out, David. Yeah, yeah. Th- that
0: is quite that's just quite <laughs> important to <we laughs> clarify that. <laughs> but this is I'm like what was doing at the casino?
1: Not only not only did I um. Not offer Lizzie the front seat. I asked her to pick me up at four in the morning from the <laughs> my, the local casino where I gambled <laughs> all my all my earnings away. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, anyway, to be fair, we should explain where we are.
0: We should explain. We should explain where we are. Well, I, I I literally don't know where either of you are. I can only speak for myself. I am in the Holiday Inn Express in Litchfield. <laughs> Which is uh, is Litchfield. Exactly. It's in Staffordshire, which is one of those counties that slightly passes me by. It's just to the north of Birmingham. That's where I am. I've never been to Litchfield before. I've just arrived. I've got my Brompton with me, my folding bike, the one with the solid tyres, the heaviest Mm. rucksack Mm. in the world, packed with all my stuff. I've ridden three miles from Litchfield City Station (laughs) to the Holiday Inn Express, slightly uphill through a housing estate into a really really strong headwind with that rucksack on my back and it nearly killed me took me about 25 minutes to go uh, three miles so
2: ned is this is this your post tour de france holiday
0: not really this is the commonwealth games (laughs) (laughs) or as i like to call it as i like to call it royal sports day (laughs)
1: Uh, royal sports day
2: we had good riffs about that and so you two are working because pete you're on mission aren't
1: you yeah Firstly, Ned, I've been to Litchfield before and maybe Lizzie Dykman might have even been there because there used to be um, a national uh, British cycling national round there as part of the under, like it was the youth basically, so under 16 to under 10. So I've been there a few times.
0: But that's so interesting that you say that. I didn't realise that was the case, but literally when I was riding across the city today, I thought this has got like British cycling vibes about it, Litchfield. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Like a little bit of a, it's got a little bit of a church and a kind of like slight, and a, and a kind of little town center. I could literally see where the finishing straight might be and where they put yeah. that funny podium. Uh, 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 yeah. Greg's. Yeah, and the Greggs and all that kind of thing. You know, really nice little place, quite homely, totally off the beaten track. Only people who've ever been to Litchfield, you know, would know where it was and put it on the map and everything. And it's it's so funny. And I got got a phone call during my three-mile bike ride from one of the people at the Tour of Britain who said, hello, he needed to talk to me about something. And he said, where are you? And I said, Litchfield. And I, he said, oh, yeah. He said, we nearly had a round of the tour series at Litchfield. And I went, of course he did. <laughs> 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 There's great. on our short list. Litchfield, oh. we've got to get there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh,
1: it's like, well, we can't afford, um, you know, to host the, the depart of the Tour de France. So, you know, we're going to, Go for a, a national round of the youth series. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you get those. You get those podiums where like second place is lower than third. You know, and it looks like it was made <laughs> on like Blue Peter or Art Attack or something. You know. I, I, <laughs> Look, I was I've thinking about.
0: There. I was thinking about the British Cycling podium the other day. I was talking to someone about it because it's literally been the same truck, little van thing for absolutely years, hasn't it? And it just kind of folds out at the back, and you walk onto the the front, and the, it literally is a podium without a podium, isn't it, Pete? I mean you've actually stood on it and it's, there's no raised section for the gold medal at all. You just stand there on a completely flat surface oh. like that. Yeah.
1: There's yeah, no, you're talking no about the the, po- the podium truck that you see at the Nationals. Yeah. No podium. And yeah. it's like it's like you just in like a shop window or something, isn't it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you're it's like you're kind of a just a a kind of Sunday market. You mm. know, selling your wares. I I stood on that podium in Abergavenny in 2012 when I won the nationals, the same truck.
0: Yeah, it's
2: it a, hasn't changed. It's yeah. just what it is, not changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love it. Yeah, God. so I've got
0: I've got plenty. Yeah. T- I've got. Listen, guys, I've got plenty to tell you about the um the the Royal Sports Day, because um Royal Sports Day has been intense so far, really really intense. Mm. Um, but let's start. I think we should kick off with the fact that Pete, where I mean, literally, I have no idea where you are. I think you're in Portugal. Is that right?
1: I am now. Yes currently uh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i don't know yeah the listeners understood that my day job so to speak is working for trinity racing and um, which is effectively an under 23 development team uh race all over the all over europe uh throughout the year and yeah so i landed home on monday and i said i'd do the tour of Portugal, no problem after the tour and i it was the the tour of Portugal was the fourth till the fifteenth, so I was like, right, great, fly out on the second, land home from the tour on Monday. It's like here's your he's your details of your your travel arrangements, blah blah blah, blah. and I just <laughs> looked at my phone. I was so so tired, I can't even explain, and I was like, no, no. I looked over to my wife because it's school holidays, as well. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm leaving on Sunday, uh, and and also. If it's any consolation, I've got to drive three days to get there. <laughs> so, oh, it's so brutal, Pete. But this is the funny thing about the, the brain and how it works. At the time, it was the worst thing that could possibly have happened, Those the the, the logistics of me getting to the race. However, I have really, for some unknown reason, enjoyed my drive. Uh, sorry, to give you a bit of context to where I picked the car up from. Ian Stannard was the director at the last race that the team did, uh, the Tour of Alsace, which is in France. And he dropped the car um, at uh, Basel. Basel? Basel? don't know how you pronounce Basel, it. Basel. Basel. Basel, yeah. Basel in Twi- uh, in Switzerland. In Switzerland, right. S- So I had to drive from Switzerland to uh, Lisbon. So it was <laughs> 20 hours. Uh, yeah. So I did. So I flew. Um, I'm going to try and round this up very quickly before everyone gets bored. But on Sunday, I flew from the Isle of Man to Birmingham, host of the Commonwealth Games loads yep. of flags everything it was and oh the other funny thing about this was I landed in Birmingham the f- the Monday before from my flight from Paris you did didn't had a you five, you sent us some pictures five yeah. hour um, wait for my flight to the Isle of Man and I, and, I, and this time I had a five hour wait for my flight to Parma which obviously isn't my final destination just part of the story so I was like <laughs> full, full circle <laughs> I can't believe I'm back here <laughs> but what was interesting <laughs> was my was my state of mind after having a week out of the race and the tour because the tour builds doesn't it it's like you know you hear the riders day by day step by step and even when you work on the race it builds to a point where you're fatigued in the last three or four days sometimes you don't even know if you're coming or going what you're doing you just as long as you turn up do your job really well it's great but you don't realize how uh, how fatigued you actually are and I realized that when I came back to that very spot that I left a week earlier. So then, cut into the chase, flew to Mallorca, landed at one o'clock, had two hours sleep. My flight was at 6.30, so I left the hotel at 4.30. Um, flew to Basel. And wait, then wait, sorry, sorry, Pete, the car, which he and Stanard had kind of left for me. And then um, started my drive, stopped in Bordeaux last night, set my alarm for Half four this morning, uh, started my driving at five and yeah, 12 hours straight through. Really enjoyed it. Peaks and troughs of, of the drive today were unbelievable. And I've learned so much. Podcasts? What,
2: what, 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 yeah. learned from podcasts? Or just the personal experience?
1: Uh, no, the driving experience. So for example, yesterday, it's like an inexperienced rider in a six day or or a Grand Tour where... Uh, he starts a six day and he wants to take a lap on the first day, like, wow, oh, look at me, so excited, let's have it. And then by day four, he literally can't even hold the wheel. Or, in a grand tour, like, uh, the Borough guy last year, Ned, who went for the King of the Mountains and he was, like, cheering the crowd. Yeah, Edie e- 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 Schelling.
0: e d Schelling, that guy. Yeah,
1: and then, and then it's like, he gets to, like, stage 12 and he's like, oh, okay, this is, this is the tour. Well, this is what I was like on this drive. So yesterday. Music blaring, like proper, pretty deep, hard house stuff. Bear in mind, I had two hours sleep and I was quite tired. And I was like, oh, this is the way. Get me up for it. I'm smashing this out. But you can't do that. Like, you can't sustain it. (laughs) (laughs) So by like seven o'clock, my my head, whether it's from the driving or the lack of sleep or the intensely loud music, was completely falling off my shoulders. So then (laughs) this this morning I set off, I put 80s and 90s, uh, on Spotify, classics classics that we all love. So oh, I was like, brilliant. perfect. Right, so I had this on. Some are good, some are okay, but they're fine in the background. Some you sing along too. And also at a lower level. So if there's one you, great for background. If there's one you like, you can turn it up a notch and get involved in the singing. Another thing I did today was, um, <laughs> did, did <laughs> I did the uh, like the accent thing when you sing. Do you know where you can't help but like sing in their accent, whoever's singing the song. So <laughs> it was great. It was it was a roller coaster. Um and I actually thought about doing this podcast when I was driving and the one song that uh I wanted to remember and I forgot it. So I might come back to it later but, but i think that's a i think that's enough from my story Matt, i'd love to hear about yours that's <laughs> uh, so oh, good I love, so that you, I love the fact i love the fact
0: i love the fact you fall back on the 80s and 90s classics though pete what, what did you absolutely bellow out do you have because i know you've got quite an eclectic it's quite surprising your musical the things you you know we've constantly been quite surprised by the music that you remember from your childhood effectively like um you're mm. quite a fan of Paul Simon's Graceland, aren't you? And diamonds on the soles of her shoes, and all that. That did that get? Yeah, I don't out? even
1: know where that came from. But, but no, no, no. Um, uh, honestly, there was there was all sorts, um, and I'm too tired to remember the specific songs. But there was one, and I remember pinpointing it, and I was say, I remember this, and I wish I wrote it on my phone because it was like a proper. It was an uplifter, and I was into it. But what I'll do is I'll try and think of it whilst, whilst we're doing the rest of the pod. And if it comes to mind, I'll, I'll let you know. Thanks, Pete. That's super yeah. weird
2: because I was listening to songs because I was driving up to Drona yesterday to pick up podcast equipment to do this. And I, I was listening to kind of my music and there kept being 80 songs coming on. And I was like, oh, so gutted, I didn't bring them out of the tour. So I'm gonna have to start compiling over the next year a Tour de France 2023 playlist.
0: Oh, that'd be brilliant. That'd Wouldn't. be brilliant. And it's gonna yeah. be eighties,
2: just stuck in the eighties. Yeah. Little little so bit into anyway, the nineties? Uh,
0: could we
1: could we just go into the early nineties, mm-hmm.
0: maybe? Yeah. As we go, yeah, deep, I I to go deeper
2: to. into the race and go, yeah, I can drop them in. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> we think we, to, can, oh, we can we sort can
1: of. also I didn't realise that um, Elton John covered your song. Covered. <laughs> it was yeah. that was his song. It's not his song. That was his. What well, was Bernie
2: uh, Tappy? Bernie Ta- Tappow? What's his, yeah, his he, co-writer? His,
1: well, no, the, I listened to the original today. The chorus. What? With the. No, Pete. N- no, so Pete
2: Shawley. That, f- that was written for Elster El- John. That was his first hit.
0: I'm Googling it, guys. Well, I thought it I'm, I'm sure it was.
1: I'd be amazed if, this, if he hadn't taken the chorus from this original, because you know an original. Because yeah. it, it's an original, well, he might have taken well, he might have a the melody. Then the, the, the full-on lyrics, mm. and he, he okay, added no. his verses, but the chorus is exactly mm. the same.
0: Your song mm. is a song written by English musician Elton John was. and songwriter Bernie Taupin, and performed by Elton John. It was so it kind of like that's the Wikipedia page, January 1970. It does claim it was a it was a it was. Yeah, written by... Oh, so um, someone Elton else has John. covered it?
1: That's yeah, I think, I think oh, it so was Someone's, done a, a really, a ri- someone's yeah. done a really bad cover then. Well, there you have it.
0: Mm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
2: See, you have been learning loads, and so have we just yeah. now. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, do you want to know where I am?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. go, go on. on then.
2: I'm on a holiday. Oh what? Wow. Yeah, I'm on a holiday, so I've got no stories to tell. I'm with my, my wife and family, my sister and two families in a big house with a swimming pool about 20 kilometers north of Barcelona. Not at the bike
0: race. That sounds terrible, David. But um,
2: did you have... I've got no story still.
0: Did you have the same thing that me and Pete have? Because it's really interesting hearing Pete talk about it. I was absolutely spent at the end of the Tour de France. For the next couple of days when we got back and I was home quite early on Monday morning, um, I kept falling asleep. And I wouldn't in the afternoon, I couldn't Mm. fall asleep just once. I'd fall asleep maybe three times during a day just for ten minutes. I was so tired. Yeah,
2: I was. I was buggered. I got got up on Wednesday morning, um, like eight o'clock, which normally get up earlier with the kids, and as didn't Nicole didn't I wasn't guilty about sleeping and got up at eight, feeling like oh god that's late, and then she was out running, and I was I got showered, got dressed, and then just climbed back into bed at nine o'clock, fully clothed, and just went back to sleep again. (laughs) <laughs> fully yeah. clothed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was fully clothed. Just climbed back on top of the bed and just went to sleep again. Kind of so really tired.
0: aberrant yeah. behavior. Like really, yeah, yeah. But it I mean, was yeah. it, it, it was
1: quite it was quite full on. It's like a decompression week, isn't it? I always call it where you can't be really responsible for any of your actions because it. You are literally it. Honestly, I, you can't think clearly. You just. You're going from day to day. And then I always find it takes a week at least to really get back to your normal self and way of thinking and pro- productivity as well, I'd probably say. Do yeah. you know what it's yeah. like?
2: And this is, and it's so far not like this. It's like demobilization because you're so institutionalized to something. Kind of we just do the same thing every day. And it was just like, okay, just go back now and fit back in. That's and another like, thing I thought Pete? about
1: my, on my car journey today. So I actually got institutionalized. Because I thought I wanted <laughs> yeah. to stop, and I did. And then when I stopped, I was like, I need to get back in the car. And I got back in the car, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm relaxed again. Like, this is my, yeah. this is my safe place. <laughs> this is
2: yeah, where I
0: being, exist.
1: Yeah, and it's like, how? It's, yeah.
0: Not, not being funny, though. I'm just setting up this, uh, you know, <laughs> so our, our little WhatsApp group, just setting up this podcast. I think all three of us have been feeling slightly uncomfortable about doing it not in a car, because that car did become our institution, oh. didn't it? And in in lots of ways, yeah. Pete was going to go and do it.
2: Pete was going
1: to go back and do it in his car. So close to going to the car. <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: David, um, what you said about mobilisation—that's that's really interesting because I've been reading a lot about um, uh, about the aftermath of the First World War for, for for some stuff that I'm writing at the moment, and and um, a lot of the theories about why kind of political extremism and also a, a kind of ultra. Um, expressions in the artistic and the scientific world and it's just kind of like the. the, in Germany they call them the the years of the comets you know sort of blazing trails through the skies in the early 1920s the world just kind of exploded into for better or worse all these kind of different splintering directions but a lot of that a lot of the reason for that people think is because the great populations of Europe had just spent four years in mobilization where their lives had been that every day you know it's kind of like ultra lockdown with mortal danger attached you know and so everything had been controlled everything had been regimented and when that all fell apart what followed was this kind of uh, a complete confusion of self-expression and all that sort of thing so and it's actually kind of like oh boo. and not necessarily um not necessarily a positive thing but just kind of their world fell apart you know, in, in all sorts of different mm. ways. It's really interesting. It's what it feels like at the end of the Tour de France. It's exactly what it feels like. Yeah.
2: We've <laughs> we got micro-dosed demobbing. My, micro, micro-dosed uh, demobbing, yeah.
1: Since it's mm. the first podcast um, post-Tour de France, should we talk a little bit about the what happens after the Tour de France and what where the riders go and what they do, what the staff do? So obviously for Should all the zone yeah. technique, it's a big, big, big pack up, isn't it? Riders yeah. probably mm. get drunk for the first time in, I don't know, eight, nine, ten months I, for a lot I, of
0: them. I, I, did, I did notice um, that Gerard... And I, did I decided, t-
1: well, my friend was over and we didn't really know what to do. We went back to Harry's Bar. And um, then we ended up at the, a club called Duplex where all the riders go and we were like let's leave and then as i was leaving i stood by so you have the top door where the bounce let you in then you walk downstairs and then there's like the main door i decided there were some cyclists coming in and i decided like to clap them and say like well done on your tour de france and uh, an hour later i was still there it was like the come off games closing ceremony but for the tour de france (laughs) 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 and then also like Uh, the accreditations that staff get it's really funny how it's like a it, they wear them as if they're they're a medal, you know, that they've won at the Olympics mm. on the final yeah, night. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's mad, and it's also
2: the first time that the Tour de France hasn't stopped; that it just yeah. started again the next day. Yeah, and yeah. With, with for the first oh, time in 33 years. And I think that was an amazing week.
0: I know, and and it was. And
2: I think it Ned, smashed you know, expectations. I mean, I've been following it as well, but I think you've been following it as ever, if not as close, probably closer than I have.
0: Well, I mean, I, could, I, I was able to follow it very closely, the Tour de France Femme, for the first few stages before the racing that I was working on kicked in. Um, and then it was, it was a bit harder after that. But it was, I mean, it got off to an amazing start, the Tour de France Femme. And I, and I thought it was, it did make me think, you know, those stages into Epernay, um, through the Champagne region on those rolling roads, they had a bit of gravel, they had all that kind of chaos. Um, and uh, the final two days uh, where Annemiek van Fluten just dominated and rode away from everybody, um, having actually looked kind of like not quite herself for the opening six stages. Um, I, I, that's kind of like, that was where the race for me became a little bit more sterile and you kind of thought, oh, okay, well... You know, that that, that that that's that's the outcome that everyone expected and that's that's the you know, that's that's how it's happened. But up until that point I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And certain the way that Voss was racing, the way that Demi Vollering was racing, the way that Cecilia Ultram Ludwig mm. won that stage, mm. um, I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought it had absolutely mm. everything. And the fact that I think I think it's really significant yeah. the fact that Voss took uh, the yellow jersey and held the yellow jersey for as many days as she did. Because I mm. think, you know, the first Tour de France fam Needed, needed to have the greatest cyclist uh, perhaps there's ever been, but absolutely, certainly the greatest mm. uh, female cyclist, road racing cyclist there's ever been. Cyclist, full stop, because mm. she's won so many mm. different um, disciplines. But I, I think it needed Voss in yellow for a long time, and she delivered that, and um, she had to really work for it as well. And I thought that mm. was, um, it, kind of, it kind of had everything. And yeah. that, from what I understand, the viewing figures were through the roof, Mm. French television were really super impressed with it. There were mm. substantial crowds by the side of the road. And, and, and you know, it, it coincided with, and maybe this is a peculiarly English story right now, and maybe it's harder to identify with in other countries, but it coincided with the, the, the run of the England football team in the um, women's Euros all the way to the final and then beating Germany the other day. And so for a week, you know, if you follow, if you have one eye on football... And, and and cycling is your main sports, you know. For for a week, women were just making the headlines in in two major global sports, and, and it's been it's been abso- it's been absolutely <laughs> it's been absolutely brilliant. And I think it was a I think it was a triumph. The first Tour de France Femme. Mm-hmm. My only regret is that we couldn't cover it. You know, I'm, uh, that really annoys me. Actually, uh, whether or not any of us would have actually been on the ground, I don't know because ITV might have wanted a, a totally different commentary and presentation team, and that would have been. Uh, perhaps the best decision but had we been there i would have really embraced it and and i do think it's a shame you know and i don't know the political machinations or the numbers or the sums of money involved but it it clearly wasn't affordable to a free-to-air broadcaster on the first on the first edition Mm. to actually take the broadcast rights and go with it my only hope is that you know given that it's been the success that it has been that maybe that might change in the years to come because it it was um it was uh, you know it was everything that it should have been do you agree? Do you concur, guys? Was it yeah, is that the impression absolutely. it made to you?
1: Absolutely. I thought it was. I I only watched. I didn't. I don't watch that much cycling anyway, to be honest. When I'm not the tour, but I had it on in the background a few times, and when I was at my parents having tea. Um, but I thought it was epic, and I think it shows the power of the Tour de France as well, because it's like Wimbledon or any Grand Slam. If you host um, a women's event along with the men's, then you you automatically get that. Um, What's the word? It's the. It's almost like the. Oh, I can't think of the word.
2: It just am- amplifies it. Does it just amplifies it because of it's just the status of the race itself as it's a, it's it's a brand? A, sorry, sorry. It's the yeah.
1: status. So, for example, if you have Wimbledon, or you have a, a tennis match that no one's heard of, of course, no one's going to watch it because they're watching something that they've never heard of and it's got no, it's it's got no legs, but. You know, you have the Tour de France and the crowds that were there as well. That was next level, and it just goes to mm. show the power of the Tour de France within its mm. own country. Because yeah. even in the men's Dauphiné, you have literally like five people on Alpe d'Huez. Tour de France comes to do, do, uh, the Tour de <laughs> France comes to Alpe d'Huez, and it's <laughs> you can't move. So it goes to show that it's mm. not actually about necessarily the race itself. It's about the the event that yeah. holds it. Which was which I, mm. I found quite interesting. Also, also I found quite interesting, like the men's races at like the men's race at the Tour de France. The it it was almost like the intense went up and the pressure of the teams because there was way more crashes, fighting for position mm. was you you know you don't often see it as much and well it's hard to tell on a TV. We don't often see it as much in women's racing. Yeah. But it was um, mm. it was really intense racing, uh, and I think yeah. it's, I think it's epic.
2: Yeah, I was. I mean, I was actually following it pretty closely because at chapter three, we've been sponsoring the pro cycling stats for for women's pro cycling all year with Factor Bikes to enable them to do it because they needed the funding to to be actual actually able to to employ somebody to to do all the <clears throat> sit at the computers and and produce all those live stats. And so I was following it because I love following that. And I was kind of you know in my docile state, kind of post tour, I was still in that cycling loop. And and I was following the race and I found it fascinating. And I agree with Ned Marianne Voss, who's in my top five cyclists kind of, of all time, male female, I just think she's amazing. Seeing her kind of win was super cool. And seeing that type of racing and from the the Monday to the Friday was so exciting. And they put in the mountain stages of the weekend. And I think I, I read the interviews and everything afterwards and I think even Annamique van Vlouten kind of admitted that it's the, the level's not deep enough, perhaps currently. And going back to what we spoke about in uh, during the tour, the kind of the idea of the pyramid, it's still relatively small because no one's helped the sport grow yet. And you need an event like the Tour de France Fam to to encourage, inspire, kind of a new generation to go and do it. Because now there's a there's an event that's so iconic that has such high status. It's it's something you want to aim for. You you kind of get into it for. The women that have been doing it for years, 33 years, not to have a Tour de France, and only recently kind of the monuments coming back in, you go into it and you can't compare to what the pinnacle of the sport is for men. So you need to put these events in, but I think also they they, they should probably revisit and um, the fact that you, I don't think it's ready for really big high mountain stages, because it's you need such a depth of a field depth, to do that. Yeah. Otherwise you're gonna have one rider that's just gonna ride away and kill and the race. So Not that was the only the thing,
0: I think that I, I think that was the only thing that they maybe got wrong, actually. That there were two days yeah. with, 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 you know, slightly too many uh, kilometers of climbing. You know, that, that last climb to Super mm. Planche des Belfis was absolutely guaranteed to produce huge time gaps. And there was no way that a group was going to get to the top mm. of, anywhere near to the top of that climb together. So it did kill the general classification race a little bit stone dead. But, I mean, you know, up until that point... Uh, and, mm. But that, the race clearly has to have the ambition to grow into the mountains and, you know, th- th- mm. to do all that. I mean, uh, yeah. That yeah. It yeah, uh, yeah, it's
1: great. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's,
2: yeah, it's super cool. And I think it's, it's um, yeah. And as you say, I mean, I, I arrived into Barcelona on uh, Sunday and waiting at the lug- luggage carousel. They have screens all around the whole of Barcelona, the main T1. And all the screens were showing Tour de France Femme. And I was like, that's pretty cool. You know, well, there's lovely. very few sporting events that get that. It's kind of so that goes to show again, like Pete says, just the sheer scale of it, the, the event itself and the, the brand of the Tour de France. It's a huge step function increase for women's cycling.
0: Yeah, when you get the president's, the US president's wife tweeting about it, saying, you know, that, yeah. that, you know it's mm. a whole different level. So it was, um,
1: yeah, and it, was great. it's great. It's really basic, but even to the point where just seeing a woman in the yellow jersey. Yeah, like it yeah, was, yeah. it was ve- it was very impactful, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, like but almost you subcon- know, o- o- almost subconsciously though, without even realizing, like it was like, mm. wow, this, you know, this is big. This is like, mm. um, but it's just the Tour de France. It goes to show it's the event. It's the magnitude yeah. But of Pete, it.
0: but mm. but Pete. I mean, yes, I completely agree. But the other weird thing about that is particularly, and I go back to Voss wearing it. When I saw the pictures of Mariana Voss pulling the jersey on on the podium, actually. On the one hand, I thought, yeah, that has a real impact. But on the other hand, strangely, I kind of thought, well, that's been around forever. You know, it felt like uh. it felt like it, it kind of it didn't feel new. It felt somehow. Um, what am I trying to say? It just felt like. Um, but I think why that,
2: is no. But that's, I think I think that's Pete's that's Pete's point, because yeah. all of a sudden, a woman's wearing something that we so identify cycling with, and that we understand. They haven't yeah. had. That we understand that is part of the kind of lexicon of pro cycling and then it was almost like welcome back into the sport which is which I think is I think that I think that's what it is because again just going back to how iconic that is and how that's that's not been a woman hasn't been able to wear that for 33 years that's insane mm-hmm. it's um so yeah so it is important but but let's move on to
1: perhaps the the royal games Ned <laughs> 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 he's, been putting this. he's been putting this off hasn't he he's been
0: <laughs> mate so I've done I've just so I'm in Litchfield now the reason I'm in Litchfield is because tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow I'm going to be commentating uh, on the mountain bike races the women's and the men's mountain bike races guys this is deep this This is is so good this is so good. i'm so worried i've just got off the phone um to my good friend dan jarvis who actually does a lot of mountain bike commentary commentary and is a real kind of expert in that scene and he's given me some real pointers not only that i've just found out so I'm doing the world feed commentary, as you know, guys. So basically, I've been broadcasting to the Philippines, to Japan, Singapore, South Africa, um, New Zealand, and some parts of North America. No one in the UK has heard my commentary so far. I'll I'll come back to what I've been commentating on. Um, But tomorrow, the BBC, who is showing the Commonwealth Games in the UK, have, for whatever reason, decided not to send BBC commentators. So Simon Brotherton and Chris Boardman, who are doing all the rest of the cycling, have been stood down. For the mountain bike racing tomorrow, and the BBC are going to take the world feed ah. commentary and put it out. Oh no! Oh, I know. I know. Oh
1: no! So for the one event you know nothing about, it's <laughs> going to be everyone's <laughs> going to be able to listen to it. S- <laughs> so, I've, uh, so, so I'm in full-on <laughs> panic. <Brilliant>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here he is. Here he is in his little ring as he approaches the rock garden. <laughs> so they straight That's away. Great,
0: Pete, <laughs> Pete, you know a little bit about mountain biking now, don't you? So, so I'm going to tell you what I know, right? I, actually, I've done as much. Re- I've honestly been flat out trying to research Probably the no riders. more than me. No, but so there's. I've looked at the trail. I haven't looked at the, the course yet, but I've kind of like. I, I understand that on the course there's little bits of the course that they've given nicknames to, right? So there's a bit called On the Right Track. Mm-hmm. There's a bit called Perry's Trail. There's Christmas Corner. There's Twin Peaks. There's the wild side. There are the curves, rocky road, deer's leap, and all that sort of yeah. thing. And so, but Dan was telling me, you know, yeah. there are there are like you've just used a, t- a, a term, rocky rock garden, not rocky garden, rock garden. That's when you yeah. get like a, a, a like that's when you, Well, it's pretty obvious what that is. To be honest, it's a load of rocks, isn't it? Obstacles. <laughs> well, no, just rock. No, specifically Ob- rocks. Yeah. obstacle course, right? If you do, you know, when Mathieu Vanderpool broke, did that bad got his back injury? Yeah, that is. A drop-off. Yeah. Right, Pete? Mm -hmm. That's a drop-off. Okay. Yeah, that's a drop-off,
1: yeah. Yeah. If they go around
0: on a bit of a descent, they go around a bit of a banked corner where they just kind of like go up that. That's a berm. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Pete? Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is the best. If there's like any bit of kind of like wooden slatted structure over which they race just to sort of level out a little stream or something like that or dip, that is North Shore.
1: Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. No, of course he huh. did yeah. <laughs> so That's so, all well and good, so ne- but when the f- sorry, David, okay, go on.
2: <laughs> no, no, because no, I, I just want to. I've just had a, an idea, Ned, for you, because obviously <laughs> it's quite a, a big deal to to be recruited by the BBC for an event and <laughs> with such a prestigious. Um, accidentally, yeah. accidentally, or perhaps deliberately by by. Burgers Chris and Boardman. Boardman. Yeah, yeah, they just go they're to just dump like, you know me what, let Ned, it. Let, let Ned have this one. <laughs> what can take what, this. What, would it, what would it sound like if you did it in an old-school BBC commentator voice? Oh, that would be so good.
0: And they're off. And they leave towards a rock garden. The first drop-off is behind them now as they head for the second berm. And now they're on the North Shore. And... <laughs> <laughs> <in> the, <laughs> no, that would be good because it's quite Commonwealth Games, that, isn't it? So we've got representatives... <laughs> isn't that, uh, it? In the in the men's race as well. And here we see Gonzi Letoque of Botswana. And here the plucky the plucky Cypriot rider is right on his wheel as they approach the second berm. Uh, our two Gibraltar riders are in difficulties as they head for the tech zone. The tech zone, they don't have a pit lane they have the tech zone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tech zone's like the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the mechanics and stuff where they stand yeah. with the spare wheels. <laughs> was, that, was that where oh, you hung out,
0: the mountain weird. bike racing, Pete? Because you've done a bit of that. Do you hang out in the tech zone?
1: No, so the tech zone is... You, you, I can hang out there if I want to, <laughs> but I don't. But the tech zone is, <laughs> is just <laughs> for the mechanics who have oh, right. spare wheels, basically. And if anything's wrong with the bike, that's the only place the bike can get fixed. So yeah. if you have a mechanical anywhere else you have to get back to the tech zone then you have a feed zone at least well usually two feed zones then i usually go and find like a quiet place on the course where i can you know lie down where the ride where (laughs) yeah lie down (laughs) 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 no no where i can actually give the riders because mountain (laughs) biking have my sandwich and lie down um (laughs) Oh it's, oh, it's finished. All right, let's go back to the set zone. Uh, no, <laughs> mountain biking is only an hour long and it's quite intense and it's really important to have a section of the course because it's also quite busy, like, especially the World Cups with fans where I can give them advice, time gaps and offer my mountain biking expertise. Uh, so I usually find like a quiet place or a section, usually uphill, where I can yeah, communicate with the riders. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah, you can change. Tech- you can that change
0: great. The, the mechanics can change any bit of the bike that they can take up. They can't, the only bit of the bike they can't replace is the frame. <laughs> so you can't, you can't <laughs> change the bike, So but you can change everything else. Yeah.
2: Do you know what? We, we, we have this kind of idea of, of gravel turned into the Tour de France. Yeah. But maybe this was another fork in the road where gravel carried on and ended up being mountain biking, because they still stand by a lot of the rules of the original Tour de France like you yeah. have to repair
0: your Not own what, stuff so, or the, so Charles Darwin would, yeah. would have been really interested in mountain biking wouldn't he because so what mountain what you're suggesting is that mountain biking is like the Galapagos Islands
1: and Guillaume yes. would have probably been interested as well
0: Guillaume Martin would have loved yeah. all this stuff he would have loved this he should listen to this podcast it, in fact we had him on as a guest mountain biking
2: very, is mountain yeah. biking is the Galapagos Islands it's like where they, he's found what, what, what was the animal he found or the plants where uh, he suddenly was, realised,
0: wasn't it a monitor lizard or something? Or no, 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 wasn't it something kind of spiny-backed like kind of thing that had se- it was separate evolution, wasn't it? It just they'd ended up there and they'd evolved separately off the mainland. So, so these species were only found that's on what, the Galapagos Islands. That's mountain. That's
2: biking. what mountain biking is. It's like yeah. th- it's like this weird thread, this parallel yeah. thread that went off at the beginning yeah. and ended up. Oh, do you know what? With you
0: commentating
1: I'm mountain bike from <laughs> Games. Games.
0: <laughs> I'm really looking for. I'm that really. I'm really looking forward to it. I genuinely am. I'm up. I'm up for the challenge. That
1: BBC voice was amazing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the BBC <laughs> voice is so amazing. That's isn't? up there with the Fred Wright's granddad story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be getting you to repeat that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, no. I'm, uh, listen, You're I'm going to to some like,
1: You're so cute. BBC, aren't you? Really? Yeah, isn't he? About it. He's yeah.
2: Cambridge, really Cambridge graduate.
1: Yeah. yeah. I could just imagine yeah. actually on the on the breakfast show, you know, you know they have a guest in to talk about like, a certain random yeah. topic. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, bring in Ned Bolton. <laughs> yeah. And he just debate the, the, his life over it. It's great.
2: Wearing like wearing like a tweed. Yeah. And, tweed. Yeah, definitely yeah. tweed. Yeah. It's like dishevelled. I have a little kind no, of like. like, a, you, like yeah, he's dishevelled
1: for a reason because he's he's that. Personal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You know what? You know if you're trying to gear up <laughs> to doing an, a certain Pete, you've got a really good, surprisingly good Cockney accent, haven't you? But you know, like sometimes you can just hit the sweet spot and do a really good accent, and sometimes it just goes all over the place. And, yeah. But do you yes. ever have? Do you have like a kind of a, a little phrase that you like a warm-up phrase that gets you in the in the zone for a particular kind of accent? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like um, right for, jo- so- for gone. <laughs>
1: Go on. No, you go on. Finish.
0: Well, I've got a couple. So for Geordie, I've got, I've got for Geordie, I've got war bollocks, man. It's quarter past eight, and someone's farted.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that gets me in full Geordie <laughs> mode. That's and 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 my BBC voice phrase to get me in full BBC voice mode is, um, you've got to say. Well, I'll, I'll set in my voice first, and then in the BBC voice, you've got to say and it's good news for the Satsuma consumer, right? Which in the BBC <laughs> voice sounds like, and it's good news for the Satsuma consumer. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're there. <laughs> <laughs> it's the old, the old news release. There, I'm in. <laughs> and it's good news for the Satsuma consumer. <laughs> um, <so> much. <laughs> what's yours? What's your Pete? What's yours? What's your warm-up uh, phrase?
1: I totally know what you mean because when you started the BBC, <laughs> when you started <laughs> that before, <laughs> I thought you sounded quite South African, and then you brought it back around, and then I was like, "Ah, oh, okay, he's got it." <laughs> I hadn't warmed up. Um, <laughs> Welsh is is difficult for me because I can go almost like Welsh Indian slightly. Yeah, that's
0: that's treacherous. Yep,
1: yep. Uh, it's a dangerous yeah. Uh, for me, with the Cockney one, it's like I go, I just go ah. I'll be like, um, <laughs> try not
0: to swear. Oh,
1: like, no, no, not swear. Like, oh, <laughs> man, oh, being a being a bloody good race, ain't it? Oh, <laughs> oh, what what you think about that? Well oh, 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 get in getting a taxi. So go on, oh, you know what I mean? Get I mean made, get in not... t- get in the taxi. What do you oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I always go oh, just a of the noises. Kind of gets you <laughs> back into it. <laughs> you got to get, you get your voice nice oh, Gar- Gary. Gary, Gary Gary Beckett. This, so. Gary Beckett. Oh,
0: yeah. Gary yeah. Beckett. G- oh. Beckett. The just to do a, just, just a comparison, you just for well.
2: my my personal pl- pleasure more than our listeners, yep. could you do a comparison, Ned, between yep. a Cockney calling a race and BBC calling the race? Because this is England in a nutshell.
0: All right. So this is the full spectrum of, of the English th- class yeah. system. Is that what you mean? Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Welcome. <laughs> right. Welcome to the Commonwealth Games, mountain back, cross country. First up, we've got the women. Off they go. Uh, heading towards the first rock garden. Here's a drop off. Down the water berm. And they're an on the North Shore, innit? right there we go. Uh, one of them's won, innit? Evie Richards takes home the gold medal. Right. Oh, and oh so good. And at the, other, at the other end, the full the full, um, Jacob Reese mogg would be... And I welcome you once again to Lichfield in Staffordshire, a town which once hosted a junior bicycle race in which Peter Kenyon and Lizzie Dignan excelled on their bicycles. <laughs> and off they go now, the riders in the Commonwealth Games Royal Sports Day, the English rider, the flag bearer for the nation. Going well at this stage, as they reach and breach the halfway point of the competition, mud besmirched but still full of energy and verve and vim. The English rider crosses the line in first place and will collect the gold medal to the pleasure of Her Majesty the Queen. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. that's, that what we're, so that's what we're hoping That's I what we're hoping I miss that
2: I miss the old Pathé The old Pathé Sports Kind of BBC
0: This absolute <laughs> ridiculousness It's,
2: it's quite David, hard to David, think David, David They were even David, taking themselves you know, seriously
0: Do you know the story? You know Brian Venner, right? Yeah So Brian Venner And James uh, J, um, Sorry, Pete You know Let's I can't remember your name Pete You know Brian Venner <laughs> Yeah yeah. Um, so, Brian Venner is the gentleman who founded the production company who have always broadcast the Tour de France on British TV. He's a venerable gentleman. Um, He started his career at the BBC a long time ago in the late 1960s as a producer. He was a satellite engineer who um, made sure that the satellite feed showed the images of the moon landings in 1969 on BBC television. He went on to work on Grandstand and on Superstars and then latterly on the Tour de France. But he first got into the BBC straight out of Oxford University as as a commentator on the boat race. The university boat race, right? And he got <laughs> the gig. He 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 did a he did a, a test run as a, to see whether he could commentate. And they put him in effectively not a, not a viewing booth, but a little cinema, and gave him a microphone. And they showed him last year's race, and they said, "Go on, commentate on that and see how you go." And what he didn't no admit, way. what no one knew, was that he'd been in last year's race as the cox. <laughs> So huh. he knew exactly oh, what was going to happen. Oh, I didn't knew know that story. What? He knew all the oarsmen of that. He didn't admit at all, so he absolutely nailed it. And he commentated for one year, or one or two years, on the boat race as well. Oxford, oh, Oxford, Brian, away they go under Hammersmith Bridge. It's Oxford all the way. <laughs> Oxford rowing for all their worth through choppy waters, and now they're pulling ahead of Cambridge. It's Oxford all the way home. Like that. <laughs> that kind of thing. That's so, so good. Uh, uh, um, but anyway, yeah. but the track, I guys. Was oh. that, uh,
1: go on. The track. Did anyone watch, any the the, anyone watch any of the Royal
0: Sports Day? Anyone watch any of the Royal Sports Day track
2: events? Just the cr- just the crashes, like a kind of a, a cliche. The majority audience, kind of yeah. the 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 crazy crash that when Matt Botstock wasn't it went over. Was it Matt it's Botstock? Matt
1: Walls. Ma- na- uh,
0: Matt Walls no, and Matt it Walls, was. Yeah, he. The Yeah,
1: champion. I don't know if Matt went over the barriers. No, he didn't. Or he was involved right. in the crash. But yeah, it was awful, wasn't it?
0: Well, what happened mm-hmm. was there was I I haven't watched it, much of it. it. It was a qualifying yeah. round for the, um, for the scratch race finals. And it was a really weird qualifying round because there were 13 riders, yeah? 10 were going to go through and three were going to be eliminated. And because it's a Commonwealth Games bunch, there were at least three riders who were... I mean, it's a two-speed race, who were a long way off the quality of the rest of the bunch, yeah? So, effectively, what should have happened was that the, the, the more established teams and the stronger riders should have just set a pace, which would have, you know, fairly swiftly dropped at least three riders, and then the race was done, and then they could have just ridden through the rest of the qualifier without taking any risks. But for whatever reason... None of the big teams, not Australia, New Zealand, Canada, England, Scotland, Wales, none of them really took the race on at all. And so when the last couple of laps came in this scratch race, a Canadian attacked and suddenly everyone started racing and all 13 were still on the track and all still in the bunch. And on the bell lap, on on the bell lap, there was a um, Barbadian rider called Jamal Eastman who touched wheels with Matt Bostock um, your mate from the Isle of Man, uh, uh, Pete. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing, nothing. Bostock could have done. Those two riders went down on the, um, on the, on the cu- the final curve before the back straight, so the penultimate bend. And honestly, the bunch were doing seventy kilometres an hour, right? It was full on, and they were they were travelling so fast those two that once they went down, they didn't drop off the track. They went up the track, yeah. The momentum carried them up the banking. Wow straight into the path of an Australian and a New New Zealand rider. So they went, and now uh, traveling at the same speed. And now you've got four riders literally traveling up the track. And that left a Canadian rider and Matt Walls of England absolutely nowhere to go other than straight into the barriers at warp speed. And that propelled Matt Walls into thin air and into the stands, still attached to his bike, where he hit a couple of spectators and then he hit the deck and inside the velodrome, I mean, he was treated for three quarters of an hour and not moved. We couldn't see what was happening. We shouldn't have known what was happening, but the, we, it looked so violent that um, we'd all assumed the worst. And in the end, staggeringly, neither the spectators nor Matt Walls himself were seriously hurt. But it was, uh, it was amongst the very worst crashes I've ever seen it was it was incredible pete have you ever i mean yeah. you've ridden plenty on the track have you ever seen anyone go over the top
1: no my only uh, no actually never um it's it's obviously a potential hazard isn't it because at the end of the day you generally move right and also you if you 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 tend to slightly overlap the wheel on the right so it's a knock on a domino effect and obviously there's only you know, so much track you can you can ride on, uh, but it happens very rarely. Uh, luckily, as well for the spectators, that no one was seriously injured. I don't know how you can, how you would even look at making it safer. I mean, what do you know what, what they do, th- do? Put a netting yeah. up, but then they fall off the netting, back down. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I thought about that piece. It's like it's the like descending it a mountain
1: a- stage. In a in yeah. tour, you know, it's like there's so many hazards mm. that on every single hairpin. But it's it's mm. part of the sport in a way. I mean, I don't know.
2: I, I yeah, I thought about that because I thought, wouldn't it be horrible if, in a world of health and safety and rightfully so, that they went like ice hockey and just put big kind of perspect barriers around the side to kind of prevent that sort of thing happening? Because it happens once, as you say, so thankful that nobody got hurt. But it is such a rare occurrence. And again, it's kind of one of the mad things about cycling is that you can sit there at a velodrome and literally lean over and touch riders if you wanted to, going seventy kilometers an hour at times. <laughs> it's bonkers, but yeah, yeah. it's kind of what's cool about it. But, yeah. yeah,
0: and I, I think you cycling. know, I think maybe, I think maybe there's a kind of like a, di- a difficult and broader question to be discussed about the nature of the Commonwealth Games peloton, or the, the nature of the Commonwealth Games itself, and, mm. and what they're there, what they're here to do. Because it is such a, it is mm. such, there are so huge, the discrepancies in terms of equipment preparation opportunities, therefore performance, Yeah, you know, that, that on the track, well, I think that uh, does represent, a quite, can represent quite yeah. a hazardous situation. Ned, yeah. and, and yet, uh, Ned, and, and yet, think. and yet it's so, it's so important, isn't it? That the Commonwealth Games, this is what defines them you know this is the difference between the commonwealth Mm. games and everything else this Mm. inclusiveness this opportunity Mm. the fact that the para track um events and all the para disciplines are fully integrated into Mm. the medal program Mm. you know there is a distinct difference between the the commonwealth games and everything else and if they're if they're not Mm. for this then what are they for i don't really know you know Mm. so i think that's maybe a a bit of a discussion uh,
2: pete pete you and i have a a, a we have a story about this, which is exactly this, which is a 2014 Commonwealth Games road race in Glasgow, where it was a really technical course, and it was torrential, monsoon-like rain at the start. And we could see kind of exactly what you're saying. The peloton was a total mishmash. You got from like guys just come to Tour de France, you've got some of the best bike races in the world, and you've also got guys who've never, sometimes barely raced in a peloton before. And so amongst us, we almost we kind of made the decision, let's hit out hard from the first lap and just thin it down for safety. And, and Pete took it to the extreme and just went off on his own and spent kind of three hours off the front in his own. But it was kind of, we, we sort of agreed the only way we can make this safe for ourselves if, is if, contrary to what we would normally do in a road race, is start kind of slow and let the race happen and then have our teams look afterwards. We thought, if we don't strip this out and slim it down on the first lap, we're all going down. And so we kind yeah. of just attacked, we went really hard from the very start just to strip it down to make it safer. So, you know, that's yeah. sometimes what happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did the, the bunch races on the track when I did the Commonwealth Games in that year, uh, and uh, they were fine. I think it actually the most, the scariest place I've ever been on a bike is the Tour de France. <laughs> yeah, true. To be honest.
0: That's a very good point, so, that's a really good I point.
1: Mean, it's it's for me that's literally like the sprint finishes the stress that's involved the pressure from the teams nothing will ever come close to how dangerous that race was or felt in my head yeah um, and i think at the end of the day the commonwealth games it it, it, it the event is what it is and it's you, as a professional you actually don't have to go and do it you're not contracted to do it and it's a choice so if mm. it if depend, it doesn't matter who's who's there because you, you've decided to go and represent your country and race Face your bike, so yeah, that's just part of it. True,
0: you t- you've you've t- you've totally right. convinced right, me, agree. Pete. I think I, th- I think I think that's a, no. I think it's really well expressed. It's really well expressed. Oh, by the way, a brilliant, amazing mm. rides from um, various different other riders on the track. um Aaron Gate of New zealand absolutely dominated the endurance events. He's 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 a brilliant rider. He won the individual pursuit. New Zealand won the mm. team pursuit, and he smashed the points race as well as did uh, New Zealand. They finished top of the medals. Um, there, was a, there was a changing of the guard in women's sprinting a little bit. Elise Andrews of uh, New Zealand kind of overcame Kelsey Mitchell repeatedly in the sprint events. Um, Kelsey Mitchell, the Canadian Olympic gold medalist from Tokyo. So she came of age. Very, a whole bunch of other stuff to admire. But Laura Kenny uh, picked up the only gold medal for England and they left it till the last session of, I think it was a seventh session before they got any gold medals whatsoever. And it was the only one. And she had so much pressure on her shoulders going into that scratch race to deliver it, um, but it was an amazing ride. With about two and a half laps to go, she had to she had to um, do all the work. She had no teammates left. She had to hit the front. She had to bring back the attack and then hold the pace and uh, take it all the way to the line. And she did. And it was it was actually brilliant. I mean, she is she is phenomenal. I mean, she's in, she's still well, only 30 years of age, and God knows how long she's going to carry on.
1: I actually hate the term champions. I don't know why it just doesn't sit right with me when people use the word champions in cycling. But I'm going to use it now because that's what they're called. Uh, <laughs> she <laughs> is like you know a Carl in the Nationals. Yep. Similar, you know, all the pressure, mm-hmm. everyone's looking at him and that's what champions can do. They yep. can turn up mm. and provide in the you know the most difficult circumstances when all is against them and everyone knows and expects them to win. And that's what makes them who they are. And right. why they are where they are, I, I, I guess.
0: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, I, I'm quite hungry. I'm going to have dinner now. What's everyone doing for dinner? Yep. What are you doing for dinner?
2: Pete just Dave? shrugging because he's got his team to look after. Um, we're having Mexican. Nicole's cooked Mexican tonight. So oh, that sounds oh, amazing. Oh, I, that. Oh, I could eat a Mexican yeah.
1: right now. I'm going to meet the team actually and go for. Food somewhere in Lisbon. I've actually just thought about the song that I that really resonated with me. Go on, it on, it it's N.W.A. and I know we're not swearing on this podcast, so I won't. But it's F the Police, F, and it's not F the Police. It's F das Police with an A, and it just that. talks about how they were. I mean, I love it because the lyrics and the makeup of the track is just incredible. So it's a rap tune for anyone who doesn't follow it. N- NWA. They have like that. I don't know if you've watched it, David. Potentially, you have mm. the document. Like it's not. It's like it's almost. Like I a was film, just about to look it up. Over, yeah, it's it's epic. Amazing. Um, and they were like late 80s, early 90s, and but the the the, the lyrics and the chorus and the verse verses set up as if they're in court. And there's mm. I don't know how many. Four maybe or maybe four or five in the group and they all take the stand and rap about what it is basically and it's basically about about getting too political you know how black people are treated in america and i i love the tune mainly because i love that group and i think it's great and it's it, the whole tune's great but then i actually started to think wow 30 years later and not a lot's changed has it which is ridiculous really so that was my, that was the tune that resonated with me on my draft. It's quite random, but
0: yeah. Oh, Pete, we love random. We love random, but that's brilliant. No, oh, I'm going to have a, because um, um, Kath's really keen on that band. sure she band, group, music, <laughs> era, genre. So I'm going to have a little listen to that. I'm going to have a little listen to that combo, musical combo. The NWA musical combo. Um... <laughs> Uh, listen, guys, <laughs> it's really nice to it's really nice to see you both. Miss you, miss you, you know. I know. Miss that. you. See you at tour yeah,
1: Britain and speak. Yeah, your see you tour to Britain. Great. Great. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah.
0: But um, I right, think guys. we need to pod again. We need to pod again at the beginning of next week. At some point, maybe in about a week's time, I'm going to wrap up Royal Sports Day. David, you can tell us all the stuff you've been doing on holiday, and Pete, we need a race report from Portugal as well. So you know,
1: consider yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, really we'll be we'll be mid race by then. So I'll try and get some uh, voice notes of my me oh, news. Oh, voice um, notes. My, my Steve D-S-ing. Cummings, but for Trinity and and me, <laughs> not Steve, but he's obviously you know at the Tour de France with Garrett Thomas. So <laughs> I'll get on the radio and get a few clips. And
2: and and just before we go, because. Uh, Ned's seen me do this at the Tour de France every day in the comms block. I go in and on Instagram I follow Aha, Alan Partridge. And it's yeah. just my little pick-me-up for the day, whatever clip they put on that day. And your new facial design reminds me of Tony Farino, one of Sto- Steve Coogan's early Portuguese characters.
0: He's a bit You've like that. He's like Tony Farino, a bit... isn't he? Yeah, the old Tash is back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, like God, him. it's that bad, isn't it? That's great. I just, yeah, honestly, yeah, like, I've just been driving and... It was sunny, so vitamin D. Is that only experience. where it grows? Obviously, it, it, it induced growth. It don't,
2: so it only grows on your, like, a musketeer, so just nothing else grows on your cheeks?
1: I got, I got nothing, absolutely zero on my face or <laughs> sideburns.
2: It's oh, my God. You've literally just, you're just like a genetically pre-designed, predisposed
1: musketeer. <laughs> I don't That's know. That's so cool. I, I had the idea that like, I, love it. I, I damaged my hormones growing up because I was, like, overtraining, but then there's loads of cyclists with, like, I just don't conquer grow a beard. <laughs> you're the
0: no uh, Pete P- 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 you're the anti-Wiggins aren't you? You're like he had n- never had a moustache or a beard always had the sideburns you're the anti-Wiggins oh, I'm the opposite the mirror yeah. image yeah alright
2: he literally is the opposite to Bradley Wiggins alright food for thought see ya <laughs> see, see ya you guys bye <laughs>